This is the Housemade Podcast. We're your hosts, John Vieira and Nick Bobbin. We're here to cover your questions about home bartending. So let's get into it. Hey, welcome back, guys, to another episode of the Housemade Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking to you guys about absinthe. It's one of those things I didn't really know a whole bunch about, and I don't think a lot of people still do. There's a lot of myths involved uh, and a lot of stories to be told about this uh, this absinthe thing. I think the biggest thing that everybody knows and thinks of when they hear the word absinthe is, oh, that's the stuff that makes you hallucinate, right? Right, right. Or I would also say that uh, they would say, oh, that stuff's banned in the U.S. You can only get it. The real absinthe comes from Europe. Yeah. Uh, there, so <laughs> so we just found out both things are false. Yeah, this this entire category of spirit uh, is mostly myths and things like that. But we did go through... Because absinthe is technically its own spirit category. It is, yeah. So I always kind of thought it was like a liqueur of mm-hmm. sorts, right? Uh, turns out it is absolutely not. There's no added sugar. It is literally a spirit made from wormwood and... Fennel, fennel and green anise. Those are the main three ingredients. Yeah. yeah. So and it is, it's usually high octane. Yep. It's very, like 47 to 75% ABV by volume. Yep, like very, it, very high alcohol percentage. Yeah. If you want to talk about hallucination, just start drinking 151 shots because we're talking, that's absinthe for you. Yeah. You'll hallucinate. There's no, uh, what's, what's the uh, psychoactive thing? Okay. So supposedly the, the, the thing that exists uh it's a uh what is it called it's a terpene compound that's present in wormwood um which is known as thujone i think is how you say that yep um that was the ingredient that everyone thought was had like psychoactive properties right right and so that was actually the thing that was banned by the ttb in the united states and the funniest thing that i found about, about that is that they actually banned thujone not the spirit um, and it actually, technically, Thujone is still uh, banned in the United States today. But they put that ban in place in 1912, which was a good eight years before Prohibition. Hmm. And absinthe, as an actual category, was banned in the United States still all the way up until 2007. And the only reason it's not banned now is because the TTB came out with new guidelines about what thujone-free means. So your spirit supposed to be thujone-free, but it's considered thujone-free if it's 10 parts per million or less. Interesting. In a bottle. Which That's... is was well under the threshold that absinthe was producing currently. So even during the ban under these tip or these current guidelines, almost every absinthe that was on the market when it was banned was still legal. Right, right. I wonder how you even go about doing that because, like, when I think of wormwood, the number one thing that comes to my mind is vermouth. Right. And we have Um, been drinking that stuff forever. So I was reading the TTB's new guidelines and rulings about this kind of stuff. It all has to do with marketing and perception. So you still can't do any marketing that involves uh, hallucinogenic properties. You can't have absinthe stick out on the label by itself because they don't want you to think that it's its own spirit category because the TTB doesn't regulate absinthe as its own category. Um, the psychoactive stuff, you can't have green fairies on your bottle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> anything that's associated with that, you can't actually market it that way. Crazy. 
I guess I've never really like, we don't have a whole bunch of them that's available in Idaho. So it's not like we're going to the liquor store and looking at a whole bunch of different products. But Um, I did find out that there was two different kinds of absence. Really? Yes. So there is the Swiss, Switzerland's French absinthe, which is mm-hmm. kind of the traditional one that you think of. Yeah. That's the uh, green one, typically. So they're made a lot like gin. So they're a grain neutral spirit. And what you're doing is you're distilling it with these botanicals, whatever you want. Most most commonly are, is, is that uh, green anise, fennel, and wormwood. Mm-hmm. And then right before you go to bottle, you're naturally coloring it with that uh, green anise. And that's what gives us a green flavor. Okay. However, the anise oils um, only dissolve in water. So that's why when you drip a little bit of water into your absinthe before you drink it, it tr- turns that translucent kind of opaque yeah. white color. It gets kind of cloudy. Right. And then the other style is a bohemian style which is more like a flavored vodka. It's a grain neutral spirit. And then you just steep those herbs in it and then bottle it that way. Gotcha. Um, Those ones typically don't turn color. So I was reading that for a while there, since there was no uh, classification about what actually absinthe was, uh, a lot of inferior products were being uh, marketed and bottled mm-hmm. without that definition for, for absinthe. They were basically bottling anything they wanted that was kind of similar and just calling it absinthe. And one of the hallmarks of uh, an inferior product is that it wouldn't cloud uh, and turn opaque that same way with the right. addition of, uh, of like ice water. Yep. Uh, and so what they started doing is they went from their classic absinthe drip preparation, which if you guys aren't familiar with that, that would be where you'd take a stemmed glass uh, with a pour of absinthe, and you would put one of those um, really slotted absinthe spoons. Yeah, they're absinthe spoons. They're a slotted uh, silver like platform, platform or spoon or some kind of uh, thing that that sits over the rim of the glass, and you put a sugar cube on there, and you let ice water drip down very slowly. It it uh, dissolves the sugar. It dissolves the sugar, but it also adds um, water content to your beverage. So <laughs> yeah, it's, so it's not 75%. Yeah, so it <laughs> knocks it down a little bit. But as it reaches ascension, is what they call it, um, that's when it turns opaque. And um, if you have an inferior product, that wouldn't happen. And so a lot of establishments, in order to hide the fact that they had subpar absinthe, they would actually started a new kind of ritual of pouring the absinthe over the sugar cube and then lighting the sugar cube on fire <laughs> uh, before mixing it in the drink. Yeah. Which not only tastes terrible. <laughs> um, Unless you really like cream brulee. Yeah, but even then, I feel like that's not going to hit the same way. Sugar. Now, the other thing, too, is when you light anything on fire, you always have to be careful of this. Like some of those shots like at college bars and stuff, oh, like yeah. flaming Dr. Pepper, you always have to be so careful that you're not going to actually burn yourself on something. So that was kind of a weird thing that people were doing for a while while there was just like nasty absinthe in quotation marks uh, Mm -hmm. floating around. But I did think it was interesting. Um, I I know you read about this too. In in 1988, the European Union kind of standardized a lot of their food and beverage laws. Yep. um, And in doing so, it kind of inadvertently lifted all the bans on absinthe. Yeah. Uh, because they uh, all these early bands of the 19th century, none of them were actually founded on science, right? They were just, they thought that absinthe made you hallucinate and it was a psychoactive drug, therefore it was banned. There was no real proof of it. And realistically, the psychoactive properties of it could be 
one extreme alcoholism right uh, or two an actual like inferior distillation product that actually was partly killing you and turning you blind well right because think about like moonshine right yeah when people were bootlegging in the u.s there was they're killing people yeah there was some stuff that was like messing people up Mm -hmm. because when you learn about distillation you have the the heads and the tails yeah and it's the heads that can kill you isn't it I can't remember which one it is, but uh, this is why we don't distill. Yeah, it's a very (laughs) it's a very specific process, and if you mix in either the heads or the tails, or I I can't remember exactly what it is, but if you don't do it correctly, you can straight up kill people. Kill people. Yeah. So it's yeah, it's kind of crazy that that's how all of the like hallucinations and stuff like that got attributed with with absinthe because you're right there was there was never any like studies or proof done it was it was a lot of marketing and it was the culture it was the people that were drinking this kind of stuff yeah they weren't the affluent ones of society they were right bottom of the barrel society that no one wanted to be associated with therefore ban the absinthe totally um i did come across this though which i thought it's kind of gruesome so i'm not going to go into details <laughs> but have you ever heard of uh the absinthe murder Ooh no all right well this is part of the reason why absinthe got a bad rap hmm. um so in switzerland which is where absinthe comes from right yep yep right on the border of france okay somewhere over there so in switzerland i know geography well <laughs> yeah uh in 1905 in august there's a, a farmer hmm. And uh, he's, you know, Swiss countryside, he's just doing his thing, and he's starting his day as a full-blown alcoholic, um, <laughs> and he's, you know, having some wine and some brandy for breakfast, and then for lunch, takes a little break and decides to continue his drinking binge, which includes more wine, more brandy, uh, some creme de menthe, um, mm. and a couple glasses of absinthe. Hmm. So the guy's... Had to have some dessert. Right. The guy's absolutely blasted. Like I said, I'm not going to go into details about this. You guys can look it up. But um, essentially, he definitely commits a murder with his wife Mm. (laughs) Um, and then uh, tries to shoot himself in the face, but kind of misses. Oops. Um, And it's it's pretty gruesome. There's even more to it. And it gets just the worst publicity you could possibly imagine because people, despite everything else that he drank... People are attributed it to attributed the it to the absinthe and, and thought that it made him go crazy instead of the fact that he was just actually a full blown, a full blown alcohol. alcoholic. Yeah. yeah, wasn't very happy with his life to begin with. So what kind of what it sounds like? Yeah. So which time frame wise makes sense? I bet you that's does it say that that story was attributed to part of why they banned it in the U.S. as well? Um, I don't know. I didn't actually read. It's that like far. several pages. Oh, gotcha. um, I could imagine. I mean, that, that's is. the same time time frame. Yeah, I mean, 1905. I mean, it makes sense, right? Yeah, and it was banned here by 1912, so... Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, that probably was, like, the catalyst for a lot of things going on yeah. because it's very, very well-known. It's, like, one of the main examples that people use where it's like, oh, absinthe, well, absinthe will make makes you, you crazy. Yeah, it'll make you go insane. So, kind of kind of weird. There's also some, uh, some kind of pop culture stuff that went on surrounding absinthe. Hmm. Uh, that movie Moulin Rouge um, oh. had a scene where everyone was uh, tripping out on, on the uh, green fairy and stuff gotcha. like that. There's a lot of movie references and, and stuff like that throughout time. 
that have kind of exacerbated that like myth. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just kind of the, the myth of all of it. But now that we know what absinthe is and we're a little bit more familiar, I thought it'd be kind of cool to talk about some actual applications for drinking it because it is legal. You can get it pretty much everywhere and it will not make you go insane. Yeah. Uh, For those of you that don't know what it is, it is an anise flavored spirit. And that is almost the only thing you taste. Yeah. Uh, it's so straight licorice. If you don't know what anise tastes like, it's very similar to like a black licorice flavor. Yep. That seems to be a very hit or miss for people. You either yep. really like that or you really, <laughs> or really don't. really hate it, yeah. Absinthe is used in several notable cocktails as a glass rinse. Yeah. Because the nose is something considerably different, right, than the, than the palate. Yeah. So you got drinks like uh, great classics, right? Like Sazerac and Corpse Survivor number two mm-hmm. that utilize a uh, absinthe glass rinse. And it really makes a difference. If you don't have that, the drink kind of loses something. Yep. It's, it's kind of like the calling card of, of yeah. that drink. Makes it seem flat. Yeah, totally. And uh, since it's just a glass rinse, I don't know that it's necessarily a deal breaker for those of us uh, – that aren't the biggest fan of the anise. Cause some people, like I said, there's very little gray area. People either yep. tend to like it or they absolutely hate it. True. I have given drinks like a Sazerac to people that do not like that thing. And the smell was maybe a little off putting, but once they actually got to the drink, they liked it. Yeah. Yeah. So well, cause they're smelling it thinking like, there's no way this smells like licorice. I'm right. not going to like this. And then they taste it and like, Oh, it doesn't taste like licorice. That's right. crazy. It's just doing a, doing a nose for me. Yeah. So give it a chance. I mean, although know. I have been to some craft cocktail bars and ordered drinks with absinthe in it. And you can very much tell that the drink wasn't thought out or the bartender didn't measure or something because you just get a glass of absinthe with it, a little bit of other stuff in it. And you're yep. like, wow, this is bad. It overtakes almost everything. It's such a pronounced flavor. Right. Now I will say there was one cocktail that we had on the menu a couple seasons ago. Uh, we called it the snow globe. Yeah. It was an absinthe sour, but it was with our orgeat syrup. And that seemed to really be kind of a bridge for, for people that didn't really like absinthe or it's, didn't really like that anise flavor. It was a really, really good absinthe drink for a couple of reasons. It was, first of all, an egg white drink. So the texture was very velvety. And the egg white kind of rounds some of that stuff out. cuts a lot of the heat off of stuff. Yeah. So obviously it's diluted. It's chilled. So you're you're not just getting like straight room temperature absinthe. And if you do like those flavors, um, it really kind of... It showcases those without just being like, hey, here's straight absinthe. Right. Uh, you know, a little bit of lemon zest on top, a little bit of fresh grated nutmeg. Mm-hmm. That orgeat syrup was really nice in there. So you could you could do a lot with with a little in that, you know, particular case because that drink was actually pretty popular, even with people that weren't huge absinthe fans. Right. The only people that really, really did not like it were people that were like very opposed to black yes, licorice. Absolutely. They were like, it will make me sick. I will gag. I don't want it. I hate it. And that's understandable. Yep. And I, you know, I believe that Snow Globe uh, drink was actually a riff off of something from the Dead Rabbit cocktail book. As oh, well. was it? Okay. Yeah. I can't remember what the uh, what the drink was, but it was. I I think it was kind of that was its origin for us when we were playing around with stuff. But that's cool. Um, another way, you know, the classic way to drink absinthe, I guess, but uh, you can kind of play with this a little bit is the absinthe drip, which we've talked mm. about a little bit. 
just that sugar cube. It is really cool to watch it change color. Uh, I mean, it's it's such a cool presentation. We have at the bar, we have the big... Uh, multi-head fountain. Yeah, multi-head yeah. fountain that, you know, you fill it with ice water. It's like, it's like a girl in a dress holding up a big, like, bowl yeah, with it's little a big, spigots coming out of it. Big stainless frame with a glass bowl yeah, on really top. Cool. I mean, it's 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 a really cool presentation, but... Yeah, definitely when people see it go, they're like, what, well, I want it, what is it? And you're like, it's a glass of black licorice. And they're like, never mind. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they're like, I like the idea of it. Uh, that drink is definitely not for the faint of heart. You have to really know that you like absinthe right. before you try one of those because there's really nothing to hide behind with nope. it. However, it's kind of a fun platform to make some other stuff. So um, I had made a few different versions of that cocktail, and one of them actually used Fernet Branca, which we talked about a couple which episodes one was ago. Which the Snow Globe cocktail? Nope, the uh, just the absinthe drip. Oh. Yeah. So this, this one in particular... Uh, don't steal this because it's not documented online anywhere yet, but I definitely made this up. Uh, <laughs> it's called a morphine drip. And so instead Ooh, of just okay. straight absinthe, it's equal parts absinthe and uh, Fernet Branca. Ooh. And then it's still got the sugar cube that is dripped down over, but it's an Ango-soaked sugar cube. Oh, uh, yep. So it's a pretty good drink, and it kind of takes Speaking it away. Speaking my language. It kind of takes it away from just that like one-dimensional, like this is absinthe with a little sugar in it. Yeah. Um, which is still really good, but it's it's kind of fun. you know. Like, And you can do this with anything right like you could combine absinthe with almost any spirit base and it's gonna be pretty good as long as you like absinthe and that spirit right. right yeah yeah it's all subjective so well even i know there was a there was a cocktail shoot out of the death and company book i remember making i think they called it the joy division yeah and yeah. It, it was almost um a vesper but it had like a dash of absinthe in it or two dashes of absinthe and like absinthe in that small quantity really does lend kind of almost like using it like a bitter. Well, it plays super well with that gin too. Oh man, it did. Yeah, I mean, it so really good. works. Uh, wasn't that a Phil Ward cocktail? It might've been. I, I don't super remember. That is a really good drink. Anyone out there that is a martini drinker or you like to that, try that. Drink. Yeah. You've got to try it. As far as like a spirit forward style drink with gin. It's yeah. Cause what it was, it was amazing. essentially, I think it was like beef eater gin, Cointreau, Lillette and like couple dashes of absinthe i might miss an ingredient in there or something i mean i think that's most of it uh, that was yeah. like the body of it yeah yep i think that's mostly uh you just stir Stirred, it real good yep ice Lemon cold zest. Throw, it, throw it in a coop um i remember and, it was yeah awesome. the absinthe dashes really make a big deal in there i don't think there might have been like was there orange bitters in there too well, i don't know no, I, I think it think had quantro it's just quantro yeah. yeah 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 so it is kind of orangey already yeah no that's a great drink though i mean i haven't had one in a while but yeah it's like if you're ever like Oh man, I'm in a martini mode, but I just don't know what I want. I mean, uh -huh. you should definitely try one of those. Oh yeah. And if you're taking our advice and stocking Cointreau in your home bar, you, you could You'll probably, probably have a bottle of gin too, which yeah. means you're only like one step away. And for the uh for the gin lover, and especially if you are a martini fan, you should absolutely get a bottle of the uh Lille Blanc as well, uh that's in that cocktail because it's a really, really awesome substitution for dry vermouth in a martini. Yeah, blocked, yeah. It's a little bit Sweet. sweeter. It's not like crazy, but it's a little bit sweeter than dry vermouth. And especially if you pair it with like a lemon peel, it makes a pretty killer martini. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You can also mix it with uh, dry vermouth and kind of get the best of both worlds. Oh, yes, we've, done, we've done a lot of those kind yep, of like, you know, two ounces of spirit, half ounce of the lile, half ounce of the dry vermouth. Mm -hmm. And it's pretty killer. Okay, so back to absinthe. Yes, uh, <laughs> tangent. Uh, 
So are there any other um, absinthe cocktails that you can think of that we should uh, mention? Man, not off the top of my head. I'm sure there's something. Oh, I'm sure there's a ton out oh, there. Oh, no. I, I, I was just actually really more interested in the TTB's ruling and all that stuff because that's a, that's a total government move mm-hmm. where they're like, well, you know, technically it's always not really been illegal. And you're like, really, bro? Because you definitely put people in jail over it. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny, too, because like Marilyn Manson a while back, I mean, he's always kind of a shock value kind of guy, musician. Um, He had his own brand. I don't know if he still does, oh, really? but he had his own brand of absinthe uh, for a while that kind of played into that like culture where it was like, yeah, I'm going to get drunk on absinthe and hallucinate and do whatever it is that I do. Oh, you know what? You know what? Uh, I, I didn't see it yet, but I was just thinking... Death in the Afternoon. I remember that. Oh, yeah. As, Hemingway. Yeah, it was a Hemingway one. Yeah, but it, I mean, that you really have to like absinthe to like because it's literally absinthe and champagne. Yeah, it's kind of like the absinthe equivalent of like a French 75. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh. Yep. Oh, yep. Death in the Afternoon. Death in the Afternoon. I was okay, just looking. Yeah. Sazerac's. Isn't there another Hemingway uh, inspired cocktail that has absinthe in there? Is that the only one? Uh, I know there's like the Hemingway daiquiri that doesn't have any absinthe in it, but there, according to liquor.com, there's a handful of the top 10 most common absinthe drinks. But you know what? Apart from like those two that I just said, I don't recognize any of the rest of them. Okay. Hmm. They look mostly French. I'm I'm sure. Yeah. You probably got some mixtures of uh, like cognac or certain sherries and things like that. I mean, there might be some things that you're not necessarily going to make at home, but yeah. if you go to a bar or restaurant and you see some on the menu, yep, maybe you want to try it. Give it a try, yeah. Or and, try a classic cocktail with it in there already. Yeah. It would also, be cool to just go to a, a bar that stocks maybe like one or two different ones. And, and just maybe, to try them. And just yeah. try them, yeah. Just get a little pour of each and just see if you can notice any difference or if you mm-hmm. actually have a preference between them. Yeah, I was going to say, too, also a lot of these absinthe brands nowadays are coming out with, like, 375s. They're coming out with, like, mini bottles of yeah, it yeah. because they, they understand that it's a, it's a hard <laughs> sell. Yeah. <laughs> so, we, so at the bar at Craft Lounge, we always used to use the uh, St. George absinthe, right? Is that oh, what it yeah, was? That, that was a good one, yeah. And it, it is really oh, good. They even made a smaller one. They yep. made, like, a 275 or something. Like, it was little. Yeah, they make a, a super tiny one, uh, really which good. I think is still available. We... Uh, as of like probably a year and a half ago or something, we had kind of switched over and almost exclusively used the Lucid Absinthe. And that one is for sure available in a 375. Yep. Uh, so you can, you know, get a bottle of it and keep it at, at your house without having to commit to buying like a whole huge. Well, which is crazy too, because when you talk about like bottle price on absinthe, a real French Switz style absinthe is like kind of really expensive. Yeah. Because it takes a lot to produce it. And you're talking about adding a whole bunch of extra botanicals to the back end of it to, f- to color it correctly as well. Yeah. It's, it's definitely not the cheapest spirits that I've seen. Even just, I mean, the 375 of the Lucid, you gotta, like you gotta want to buy bucks. it. Yeah. yeah it's it not was a thing, expensive. Yeah. It's not a thing where you're just like, oh, I'll just pick this up. Yeah. So I guess moral of that story, don't buy that unless you would super know that you like it. Go to a bar and try it yeah. first. If you live in the area, come into craft, we'll give you. We got a, we got a couple right there. No, we just have one and then we've we have got, like two anise flavored spirits. Yeah, I probably huh? should stock the St. George one again. We just haven't used it for much. So we have the Lucid and then uh, for a while we actually had Pernod. Which yeah. is that's not an absinthe? Though, I don't is think it? it's technically an absinthe, but it's very, very similar. And I'm not sure yeah. what the difference is. Uh, it is called for in some classic drinks, though. So, hmm. like a classic zombie. Oh, uh, calls for Pernod. 
specifically like three dashes, so hardly anything, but it calls for that uh, versus like regular absinthe. So there's some difference. I'm not sure exactly what that is. We also got an absinthe or an absinthe flavored spirit uh, from New Orleans or something. Oh, yeah. That big liter bottle, whatever that was. So that one was awesome. It was called Herb Saint. Oh, yeah. No, that one's I great. really, really liked it. We had a couple Did bottles of it. we blow through it all? It's gone. Oh, dang it. Yeah. <laughs> yep, it's gone. We got it for a really good price. It was on, like, closeout or something. That stuff was awesome. Yeah. I really liked it. Um, but, yeah, we, we just absolutely blew through that. Dang it. All right. And I'm not sure what else is available. I mean, we don't, obviously use a ton ton of that stuff so like i haven't gone to the store lately just to see so if if it's something that you guys are really into and and you really like that flavor um come to us we'll find some yeah definitely go see what's available too just for your own purposes like you might be able to get something really cool that i don't even know about so yeah absolutely cool all right is there any other myths that we ran across with the absinthe stuff oh i think that was most of it uh, get out of here i think that was most of it. yeah let's see moral of the story absinthe's legal tastes like black licorice the good stuff changes color. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Go try it somewhere before you commit to a whole bottle, unless you really like like Mike and Ike's. If you love Mike and Ike's, then definitely oh, go yeah, buy a bottle. Oh, yeah, it tastes exactly like Mike and Ike's. Yeah. Uh, the other thing, too, is uh, maybe in general don't murder people, but if you're going to murder people... Don't blame it on the absinthe. Don't blame it on absinthe <laughs> or drink a bunch of it before you do it because it's just going to look bad. Yeah. All right. Well, uh I guess that's it for this week. Come uh, catch us next week. We're going to be talking with Mr. Chris Voth about what he does at home uh, bartending. Yep. We're going to talk to him and pick his brain a little bit about what kind of stuff he really enjoys making at home, how he likes to do uh, some of that stuff when friends and family come over and he's kind of hosting. And then also we're going to touch a little bit on uh, spirit infusions with him. Ooh, okay. Yeah. That'll so be fun. We'll get it going. Cool. All right. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.